everyone, my name is Jamie and welcome to Dear Younger Me. This podcast is dedicated to giving advice to my younger self in hopes that it'll also help other people who might be going through similar things. I will be talking about everything ranging from how to not be shy in elementary school, how to figure out my career path in high school, how to build genuine friendships with people after college, all the way to how to navigate my own faith. I just hope that this podcast can be me being an older sister, giving helpful advice to all the young people, and maybe even older people out there. And without further ado, I wanted to welcome you to this week's podcast, which is what to do when you're depressed and you're a Christian. In all the years that I've been going to church, I rarely hear about other Christians talk about depression, but I don't think it's because it doesn't exist. In fact, I think it's one of those taboo things people don't talk about because there's this notion that if you're Christian, then you can't be depressed and you're supposed to be full of joy and love and peace all the time. And in an ideal world with the perfect balanced mental state, yes, that's so true, but We live in a fallen world, and our brains are subject to chemical imbalances, disappointments by people we love, and things that are just out of our control. And sometimes those things slowly start to chip away at the joy and love and peace you do gain from Christ. And if you don't have a stable support system, it's really easy to fall into episodes of depression. I think the first thing I want to say is that you're not alone and that you're not not a true Christian if you've ever been depressed or are going through depression right now. And if anything, it makes us realize all the more we need Christ. And I want to reaffirm that God can handle our depression and he's not going to shy away even though at times we don't believe we are his children and we can't feel his love and we hate that we're stuck in this rut and that sometimes we want to end our lives. God does not abandon you even though you feel abandoned. He is there crying with you when you are crying and he is sitting with you during the moments you grieve. And he is a God who hurts as much as he loves and and he redeems and he has the power to heal us from our depression and he wants to give us a life full of joy. These last two months have been pretty rough for me because of the declining health of some of my family members and me feeling like I wasn't supported by my small group at church and just feeling like I wasn't being appreciated in a lot of my close friendships. And I started to withdraw from the people I usually talk to and into my own head of lies and assumptions. I had struggled with situational depression before in college a few years ago, and I had never thought that it would come back at such full force. So I stopped reading the Bible and praying to God because in a weird sense, it felt good to kind of sit in my own pain and see that I was right whenever I saw evidence that supported my theory that no one cared for me. And some days, I would be happier when the sun was out and I would be productive with work. And some days, I just felt so numb and I hid myself in my room and watched TV shows the whole day. But because I've gotten counseling before, I started to recognize that I was falling into these depressive episodes and there was a sliver of hope in me that didn't want to let it control my life again. And even as I'm making this podcast, I'm still struggling with negative thoughts, but I also thought about how I could use what I'm going through to help those around me who might be going through similar things. I am by no means a mental health counselor, and I cannot speak for what will definitely work, and what I share is not meant to 
dismiss people who are suffering from a chemical imbalance or a genetic disposition to depression, but I have struggled with high-functioning situational depression before, and I felt myself slipping back into it these past two months, and I just wanted to share the things that are helping me the most right now. So I hope that you can find some good golden nuggets in here. I think the first thing that has really helped me in my depression is knowing that I can be honest with God about my feelings. And I think it's such an easy thing to know in my head, but it's really hard to believe in my heart. But I want to encourage you and remind you that God can take whatever feelings you have, even if they're feelings of self-doubt, anger, jealousy, discontentment, hurt, Having those feelings won't dispel God away. He created those feelings in you and Jesus felt those things too. And I don't know if this is prevalent in the American Protestant Christian community, which is where I grew up, but I feel like there's this sense that I can pray away my feelings. Like I used to think that if a sinful thought passed my mind, I would have to tell myself, no, don't think about those things, it's wrong. Or if I was sad, I would think, but I shouldn't feel that way because I have Jesus. And then I should pray to God to take away the sadness. And in hindsight, I was not letting myself feel my feelings. And this wasn't healthy because I wasn't dealing with the pain. And if you don't deal with the pain, you can't ever fix what is broken. It's like patching a band-aid onto your finger that's been sliced by a knife. You have to recognize that your finger is sliced and you're hurting before you can even get help. And know that God is okay with your brokenness. He knows exactly what you're struggling with and exactly where you lack and he will make up for it. The next advice is surrender your pride and pray. I know that a lot of Christians will just tell you, oh, pray about it or give it up to God, but I feel like people don't really talk about how to even do that. And I think it starts with knowing there is pride in not wanting or asking for help. I know that when I'm in these depressive moods, I don't want to pray. I don't want to talk to other people. I want to stay stuck in my own feelings and justify myself in feeling angry and hurt. And bit by bit, it's like you're building a wall around yourself and you don't let other people in. And then you don't see all the people who are trying to reach in your wall and help you, which in turn makes you think nobody wants to help. And it's like this vicious self-fulfilling cycle. And that's where the devil wants you, stuck in this headspace. And when you're in the middle of that wall that you've built around yourself, it's the hardest thing to ask for help because you can't give up on building this wall that you've already built for so long. And admitting to others and to God you need help brings you to a place of humility, which will allow you to forget about the wall altogether because you realize you're broken. I remember I was in my car one day listening to a Christian podcast called Higher Battle and I felt like the words were speaking to my heart. The episode was talking about placing too much value in human relationships and feeling abandoned by people who naturally gravitate away. But as those words were striking my heart, I just felt like I had this internal battle of wanting to break my 10 days of not talking to God, but also wanting to stay inside my wall. And I literally felt like this was the Holy Spirit in me battling my flesh. And after 15 minutes of just struggling, I just said, I'm tired of battling God. Help me. I surrender. And literally that same night, within two hours, 
God had put it on the heart of one of my friends to ask me if I was doing okay and what was stressing me out. And this was the same friend who I desperately wanted to talk to about my problems but didn't know how. And honestly, after talking and crying, I felt a huge weight lifted off of my shoulders. And this is all to say that in my experience, the easiest way to surrender is to just surrender. You don't need to say the reason for your surrender and you don't need to like tell God like, oh, because of this, that's why I'm surrendering. It doesn't even matter. Just admit that you need help or even if you can't get to a place where you want to say you need help, ask God to help you want to ask for help. The spirit is so willing to do this for you. And then the next piece of advice is recognize that God is never far away from you, even if you think or feel that you are far from him. I always hear people say, God is love, but that always seems so nebulous to me. But practically, what helps me feel God's love is understanding the little things that make up his love. And then also understanding the way I feel loved by other people is also how God loves me too. Little things like how a close friend would text me, hey, thinking about you, or how they remember my birthday and give me a gift, or how they encourage me when I'm feeling down. God does all of these little things for you and big things and he thinks about you all the time and he thinks about all the good gifts that he wants to give you and even if it's hard to believe those things, try to close your eyes and imagine that he is sitting next to your bed waiting for you to wake up every morning so he can talk to you. He delights in seeing your face and he wants to spend time with you. This is what a relationship looks like and that's why he'll never be far from you. In Romans 8, 35-39, Paul says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that includes our negative thoughts and whatever we feel like is coming in between God and us. There is literally nothing that can separate you from his love. And the third advice is the next time you find yourself throwing a pity party, write down all of those negative thoughts on the left-hand side of a journal. And then I want you to write down what the Bible says about those specific things you've listed, but now on the right-hand side of the journal. And when you compare the two sides, you'll notice they're complete opposites of each other. And that's because the left-hand side is all lies, while the right-hand side is all truth, since it comes from the Bible, the word of God, and the word of truth. In my experience, so much of this depression battle starts in my head, and it's when I start believing in these lies that I start feeling depressed. But we can battle it by believing the word of God, which God says is the sword of the spirit in Ephesians 6.17. Whenever negative thoughts pop into your head, reference those countering verses from the Bible and say them out loud. This is literally how you attack your opponent, which is the devil. For example, here are thoughts that I've had that I write on the left-hand side. Things such as, people don't care about me, there's no point to life, and I'm worthless, I'm just in a funk and I'll get over it on my own, and no one loves me. 
And on the right hand side, I have, and I'm just going to say all these Bible verses because I feel like even saying it will help me during this podcast. But on the right hand side, I have 1 Peter 5 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you, which is directly opposing people don't care about me. And then Ephesians 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. And this goes directly against, there's no point in life, slash, I'm worthless. John 10.10 The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. It's crazy because, like, the living God is inside of us. We are valuable. Like, that's what it means when, when Paul is talking about you were bought at a price. Like, we are worth something, even though the devil makes us think we are worth nothing. And Ezekiel 36, 24 to 27. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And I think that goes in direct opposition to the negative thought of, I'm just in a funk and I'll get over it on my own. I think a lot of the times the devil will give us half-truths and then give us the bad part of of our sinful nature, but then doesn't talk about the redeeming part of God's love. And I think it is true that, um, you know, I... Like, I am a sinner and I am in a funk, but it's not true that I can get over it on my own. Like, in Ezekiel, God is telling us, I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries. I will cleanse you and I will remove from you your heart of stone. Meaning that he is the one doing all of the work. And we really just have to rely on him and ask him to do it for us because it's not something that we can do on our own, like spiritually. And then for the last lie of nobody loves me, Psalm 139 is a great psalm. It says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. 
You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offense way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So a majority of the psalm talks about how God knows everything that you're doing and he knows everything about you at all times. So no matter if you're eating breakfast, taking a shower, making your bed, clipping your toenails, no matter what it is, God is always there. And I think that is really comforting because that means God loves you if he wants to spend 24-7 with you. It's like if you don't like someone or love them, you don't want to spend time with them. And the truth is, God loves you so much, and the lie that the devil wants you to believe is that no one loves you, so please don't fall into that trap. It might not feel like you're doing anything at first when you recite these Bible verses, but as you choose to believe in God's word, just like how you have to choose the right weapon to use in a battle, you start to use it better and with more precision and with more ease because you're familiar with the weapon. And if you don't have faith to believe, you can ask God to give you more faith. Pray that God would help you with your disbelief. And something else I also wanted to mention is that there might be a part of you that wants to stay depressed because it takes more energy to rewire your brain out of its funk to a healthier state of mind. And I know that was definitely true in my experience. And so I really have to ask myself, is getting better and and receiving joy something that I genuinely want? And do I believe that I can get better? Because that answer will carry out in the conversations that I have, the actions that I perform and the habits that I have for my life. And frankly, if the answer is no, then I think we need to ask God to tell us why that is. The next advice is seek professional help. There is no shame or guilt in seeking professional counseling. You're not the best version of yourself you could be, and there's no shame in in wanting to be healthy. I believe God is a supernatural God who can move supernaturally, but he is also a God of practicality. Just like in the Bible, Queen Esther wasn't queen right off the bat. The queen 
at that time had to be removed. And then Esther had to find favor in the king's eunuch. And then she had to go through beauty treatments for a whole year before she could even be in the presence of the king. And all of this is to say that God uses people in ordinary ways to carry out his divine plan. And I think mental health counselors are people who are trained to recognize trauma and negative behaviors in people. And it's okay to ask them for help. When I was in counseling, my counselor used a therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy, which focuses on changing unhelpful cognitive distortions like negative thoughts, beliefs, and attitudes and behaviors to improve emotional regulation and develop coping strategies that target current problems. So for example, in college, I struggled a lot with not feeling wanted. So whenever I sent texts to other people to hang out and they didn't respond, my immediate response was, oh, they don't like me, or I'm being a burden to them, or I think I'm closer to them than they think they are to me. But my counselor asked me to write down those thoughts and then look for evidence that supports other conclusions other than the one of people not wanting me. And that made me realize that when I sent those texts, it was during finals and people were busy. Like maybe they were also having a bad day or they were out all day and they didn't have reception to respond to me. So I think just really separating what happened versus how you feel about it versus what could have happened is helpful. And then the last advice is figuring out the root of what is upsetting you or if these feelings of depression have been recent. So I really encourage you to look for what might have been happening these last few weeks that could have triggered what you're feeling. So go through your thoughts and write slash type these things down or even say them out loud to yourself and take notice of anything that you might be repeating or talking about for a long time or things that make your voice shake. I know for me, I don't even know what I'm feeling sometimes until I externally process it. And after I can pinpoint why I'm feeling this way, it'll be a lot easier to tackle the problem head on instead of letting it bleed into other areas of my life. I like to think of it like a pipe system. Let's say one pipe is broken and then water from that specific area is flooding the entire system. Because the whole area is wet, it makes me think that everything is going in shambles and that all my pipes are broken, when in reality, there is one pipe that is broken that needs to be fixed first. And then we can start mopping up the water elsewhere. Alright everyone, that is all I have for you today. It feels really weird to be giving advice on something that I'm still struggling with, but here and there I see the glimpses of light and I want to share that light with you guys and I want to use this platform to talk about real things specifically and impactfully. So I hope you've gleaned some helpful things from this podcast episode. I hope to make more consistent episodes this upcoming year. So if you see that I haven't posted in a week or two, please email me and tell me to get on it. <laughs> and if there's anything else that you guys want to hear about or have advice from me, I would love to hear it. Just send me a quick email. And with that, I will see you all next time. Bye!